Four billion people play games every day. Games user researchers are the people who try to make sure that they have a good experience doing so. So join us as we explore the challenge of crafting and evaluating user experiences in games and beyond. My name is Herr Professor Dr. Leonard Nacke, and with me are my co-hosts Anders Drachen and Peshman Mirza-Babai. Over to you, Anders. Good evening, everyone. So my name is uh, Anders Strachan. I'm a professor at, at, uh, at the Metaverse Lab at the University of Southern Denmark. I've been working across uh, games academia and, and, uh, and industry for about 20, uh, 20 years now, mainly focusing on, on, on game, uh, on game uh, analytics. Over to you, Pejman. Hi, everyone. My name is Pejman Mirzababai. I'm an associate professor at Ontario Tech University. Uh, and I lead the UXR lab there, where we take uh, projects, both academic and industry. Uh, and uh, I've been uh, involved in the games user research field since 2009, uh, where I started my PhD. And at the same time, I worked for Vertical Slice and then Player Research before I moved to Canada and take a basically university role. Uh, I like to think that I usually kind of like I'm active in both uh, environment and both academic and industry side. Uh, I think most notably was at 2015, where I uh, took a couple of months off from my university role and I lead the uh, user research team at Execution Labs, uh, where I had the chance to work with around 19 uh, India studios uh, with their uh, user research needs. Uh, I'm very excited to be here as part of this podcast, where we talk about user research and um, basically the material from the game user research book. All right, awesome. Introductions are out of the way, so let us get started. Today, we'll be talking about collaboration in games user research across academia and industry. Historically, this is something that we have at the same time both excelled at in the game sector and been really bad at. For example, our book on games user research is an example of an incredible community, a community effort that has involved more than 100 people from academia and industry, and we're all working together. On the other hand, game companies are largely but not conclusively absent from university programs that are training the next generations of games user researchers. So this is an interesting state of affairs, but it might make sense to start with a bit of a historical overview. How did games user research get started and what role has industry and academia played in the 50 plus years of games user research? What well, was pioneered by Atari in the early 1970s and games user research came of age in the 1990s with Sony with titles such as Crash Bandicoot 2 and later at Microsoft Studios with Bill Fulton's group in the USA where Age of Empires was the first game where it was successfully applied to. And there's hundreds of games user researchers and user experience designers working worldwide now, particularly at larger studios and publishers like Activision EA, Epic Games, King, Microsoft Riot Games, Rovio, Scopely, Sony and Ubisoft, as well as a number of smaller studios in addition to several external UX UR consultancies. Today, games user research and I guess user experience processes are carried out at all stages of game development, from pre-production all the way to post-release and to support. So since 2009, the IGTA GRUXIC, previously called the GERSIC, has been instrumental in helping researchers around the world network and share ideas. So today we want to ask, what are the concrete benefits of industry and academia working together in GER? And how can companies support student training? So first, I want to get started and ask this question. How 
do you think maybe Peshman has a lot of um, experience working with industry and Anders, of course, has also done a large industry focused academic network um, in the UK before. And so both of you, what do you think? What are the concrete benefits of industry and academia working together in games user research? Uh, I, I can get started. Uh, particularly, I want to link this back to uh, what Leonard just described, like around the history of games user research. And uh, one of those important moments, I think maybe in that, uh, or milestones in the history was, I would say in 2009, where uh, Vertical Slice uh, started as, uh, I think I would say probably the first uh, service studio that exclusively offered user research services to the game industry. And the reason I wanted to highlight this is because uh, that basically span out out of University of Sussex, uh, you know, entrepreneurship initiatives. Uh, and uh, I received my uh, training uh, during my PhD while I was also working at, at, at Vertical Slice. So that was an amazing kind of setup uh, that uh, I basically got to work on many industry projects and uh, while doing my PhD and learning at the same time and kind of applied all my learning onto those projects and hopefully provided uh, also kind of a, a useful uh, insight to the companies that we worked with at the time. Uh, so that's, that's, that's kind of, to, for me personally, like in my experience, uh, that the, the opportunities I had to, uh, you know, see the application of my research uh, into real game uh, that was invaluable and that kind of shaped my career, uh, you know, moving forward. I guess there, there are a lot of uh, similarities with uh, with how, how I got started also, although as the as I was going as 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 the age president here because I'm I'm uh, I'm the oldest uh, dude uh, dude uh, in in the in the company here. Um, back when I was starting out in the early two two uh, thousands, there, a lot of things were also different. And and a lot of things were also easier than than today. We were very much like we we barely started looking started looking at at behavioral at behavioral data from from uh, games uh, user research user research games was still something that was very in very in uh, informal. The whole the whole academic sector when it, when it comes to looking at games like like from with a serious uh, scientific mindset was still very very new. Um, uh, I, I distinctly re remember the um, uh, a, a conference in Tokyo in 2007, the, one of the early uh, DIGRA, uh, DIGRA conferences, which was amazing, was we were, like, for the first time, we were a couple of hundred people all doing academic research on games from everywhere from the from from the humanities and philosophy all the way over to sort of hardcore uh, hardcore AI gathered in the same place. It was it was pretty cool, and people were talking about these strange ideas, and and uh, and you had audiences from uh, from lot of, from lot, lot, of, lot of different domains sitting in in uh, in the same room. Um, anyway, going back to the to the actual question that that uh, that you were asking, Lena, the the main benefit of uh, of collaboration across academia and industry is that is that we are we're good at different things, right? Uh, and if we, and 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 by by 
and by combining our our, our knowledge and our uh, and uh, and uh, and our and our expertise, we achieve something that 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 is larger than the sum of uh, of the parts. It, it it's really that simple. In academia, we often have we often have have the luxury of spending many many years become, becoming incredibly specialized and focused on on a particular thing, and when we can apply that very that very very deep expertise. We are. That's that's when when things start start getting start getting start getting re, start getting really really powerful, um, and that's also where working with working with academics perhaps is a step up from many many design agencies that may have very that may have, that may have very broad knowledge, but also shallow compared to to someone who who's been spending thirty years becoming an absolute expert in how to measure player experience, right? Um, that doesn't mean that these collaborations are always easy. Um, universities and university ac- academics, they have their own priorities, which can come off as opaque and strange uh, to, the, uh, 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 to the industry. For example, our obsession with, with, uh, with uh, academic papers, which are kind of like currency for us. It's, it's, uh, it's our NFTs. It's our, it's our crypto, right? You can, you can, it's almost like these non-fungible tokens. Like I can, I can trade you one Kai paper for two, two FTD papers, et cetera, right? Um, we, we, we need to publish our research, right? Uh, but if you, but for example, in, in my case, if, if I'm working with companies and building prediction models that describe player behavior in, in their, in their games, like, Maybe publishing that kind of very conventional information is not the right thing to do, and then often what happens is that the, the partnership type changes. Where then what happens is that the that the company then basically buys the academic's time. That in itself is is great. It's fine. It, it it's a good example of how academia and uh, and, uh, and and industry can 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 collaborate, but it perhaps doesn't lead to knowledge that can. That can benefit the community. Something that I think the games user research community has exemplified by by the by the by the by the games research games research and user experience uh, special interest group under ICTA is a very very is a very 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 good example of, and which was started back in two thousand and nine. Based off based off the excellent early work at Sony and Microsoft and uh, and Atari and 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 sort of the the dawning academic interest in this uh, in this uh, in this domain also uh, Bungie had 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 some excellent uh, excellent uh, user research already already back then also right and that's and and that's what got us started right a quick point here. Uh- I just wanted to highlight early in our conversation that uh, one thing I've seen uh, talking to many companies and also many profs that they they may be too focused on research collaboration and uh, although like research and R and D basic type of work. I just wanted to kind of make sure that we also kind of consider there are like that there are other ways that we can collaborate like. There, is, there are training programs, there are internships, there are sponsorships, uh, there are, uh, you know, co-developing courses. Uh, so there are so many things that we can work together and uh, research collaboration and R&D is only one of them. And probably the most complex one is R&D. So there are other easier stuff that's possible to do uh, that could get us started faster. I think that's that's an important distinction that you're making there, right? Definitely. Like. Uh, 
it's definitely one of the struggles and but you also have to understand that not everyone shares that mindset right like not, not everyone yeah. actually wants to actually work with industry right like often people are quite happy following their own academic path and, and doing something along those ways i think um the, the mm. three of us and definitely a lot of uh, our colleagues are a little bit different in terms of that we actually like that validation of seeing our work being used in the yeah, industry true. and you know it's, it's seeing that we can actually have an impact on industry practices somehow so i, I don't yeah. think that's necessarily you know the usual pyramid right yeah i think i think you're you're absolutely right like on both sides one thing like a step one is to kind of think and reflect on the motivation for setting up that co collaboration like both on the academic side like if you're talking to profs instructor like why what's the main motivation that you want uh, from a collaborating with, uh, with the industry partner is it to validate your research idea is it to get new research ideas and work on is it to help your students find job is it to help your university you know kind of diversify maybe the type of projects and funding they receive and then on the on the same side on the industry side like what's what's the motivation there like are you thinking to you know do you need some help with your research that maybe you don't have a you know knowledge or a staff member to to take on or or may, maybe you are just interested in getting to know kind of a, a student so you can hire them so have a, like a good talent pipeline or there are actually cases that I talk to and then they just want to make some donations. So they have some extra money. They want to, you know, help universities and they want to, you know, donate that towards like building a lab or, you know, a scholarship for students. So there are loads of opportunities for those collaboration, uh, but it goes all back to what you mentioned, like in terms of the motivation behind it. Like as a prof, if you are interested in, you know, doing kind of a, you know, a theoretical type of research and publish it, then probably, you know, you're fine, continue doing that. You don't really have to explore industry collaboration. If you are excited to, you know, see the, you know, the, the maybe the, how your research might have application in the industry or, uh, you know, like help your students maybe find the job faster, then that might be something to think about and consider. But can 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 I maybe uh, maybe uh, provoke you guys uh, you guys a uh, little bit? So I was back all the way back in 2014. I was asked to give a talk at the, at an event organized by one of the by one of the very large game companies. Uh, I, I I won't be be mentioning any, any names here, but but it was one it was one of the big ones. They had gathered a a, a component of of their of their of their research group. Uh, in a larger in a larger city, and they were having uh, they were having an, an an annual meeting, and and I realized upon entering that room where there were uh, more than a hundred people, that there was more research capacity in that room than the combined sum total of everyone working with working with within my domain worldwide at that time. Um, I often feel like, like working within uh, with game uh, uh, with game uh, with game analytics, I I generally calculate that that across academia and industry we are outcompeted by about a factor of five hundred on the academic side. There are vastly bigger numbers of people working in in the uh, in, uh, industry actually doing research to the to the degree where I, I often feel that a lot of very interesting stuff. 
is happening within the companies, not within uh, within uh, within uh, academia. And I know that there are also way more people doing doing actual user research in games working within the industry than uh, than in academia. Interestingly enough, a, a, a lot of our colleagues in in the industry uh, have an academic background. At least, at, at least a PhD, right? So they've all been trained by uh, by academia and and came up that way. But given but given this sort of um, this this v- variation in the amount of person power that it, that exists, how does how does working with academia still stay relevant? I, I don't think it's it's necessarily relevant. It's more like uh, it's a different ball yeah. game that you're yeah. playing there. Once once you're in industry, yeah. you have uh, a lot of really good pay, you know, for a, a lot of sort of uh, mid to senior level research. The the pay is really good. The support is really good. You actually get to work on an exciting um, product. Um, so I. I don't really think it's it's like the 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 metrics are not the same. Like people are in there and trying to do that because they actually want to build better games. They want to understand better games. It's not so much. Um, I feel like in our job, in my job, anyways, I feel like I'm, I'm much more focused on understanding humans in general. Like how how does a, a human tick and how do they fit into this world and um, like why do games exist? Why do we need to play these kind of you know larger questions? Whereas yeah. when you're in in the industry, it's more like you know like why is the the gun selection in Destiny so addictive because it's so um, you know well designed and, and, and addictive is obviously the wrong Sorry, word, but game, like yeah. you know how is it so engaging yeah. that we can upgrade guns, yeah. which you know, no, nobody ever thought that that was going to be a good thing. I was just going to quickly add something that. Uh, I agree with that and with the research power and research capacity there. But also, you know, I want to highlight that, you know, there might be a handful of those companies, uh, those large companies that have such a team, have such a big research team that they can take those projects. Uh, there are a lot of more like a smaller uh, or mid-sized studios that they don't necessarily have that research capacity. Uh, that doesn't That doesn't mean they don't do research there are many of them are still active and they are doing research but there could be ways that uh, you know we don't necessarily need to target the biggest game companies and then try to do research with them uh, you know as I, like as i said earlier there is a motivation so the biggest game com- bigger game companies they may be more interested in some form of a brand building talent pipeline and things like that that you know we can contribute as academics and then there could be a smaller companies that they might be interested in, you know, uh, getting our help to actually do R and D. Uh, so th- I think there is that, that kind of goes back to that motivation as well uh, for for partnership. So so so, uh, 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 what kind of at what kind of advice could we give to 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 uh, to SME companies in the in the industry who are sort of interested in? Or, or, or who have who have particular challenge, or are just interested in figuring out how do I how do I work with how do I work with academia, like what how should they approach us uh, us folks on on the uh, on the uh, uh, on the academic side and vice versa, how should how should academia uh, ap- 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 approach smaller and medium uh, small and medium sized companies? Hmm. <laughs> what's the what uh, what's the right language and how do we set expectations and and all that kind yeah, of stuff? that's kind of a. I mean, that's a type of question that needs 
Hard question, right? Yeah. Explanation <laughs> and consideration and, and different factor. But uh, if I want to kind of make it into a kind of a really high level, maybe generic uh, advice that uh, might be applicable to uh, to many companies, I maybe distinguish them into different levels. So uh, one initial level is that you don't have any research staff. Uh, but you realize that you have some research need. And then let's talk about more focus on like games user research. So let's say you are building a game, you heard that, oh, there's like thing called playtesting and user research, and you're not doing any of them. Then you're probably gonna, you know, you know search and find a couple of, you know, service companies uh, that would offer that as a service. So you can kind of hire them and then they do it for you. Or you may say, okay, let's see if you can do that through academic collaboration. Um, so in that, context, I think the relationship is going to be more like a service relationship. So, you know, the academics have the expertise to run studies, they have the equipment, they have the lab. So and they probably are willing to do it cheaper than a you know commercial service uh, company and then run those studies and provide you with some feedback. Uh, then then uh, a slightly higher level, uh, there might be again studios that they have like a couple of research staff. They do their own playtesting. They already have relationship maybe with a couple of service companies that they you know help them with playtesting. But there might be cases in development that they need uh, some form of a you know research contribution into their uh, into their game. Uh, for example, I'm working with a company now uh, called Stitch Media. Uh, they are based in Toronto and they are developing a VR game. Uh, and they're using gesture control rather than uh, you know you know physical controller. Uh, so that's kind of a really cool area because now you don't have any any physical controller. So they, they are kind of redesigning all the interaction. So they have their own internal testing team and research team. But the research question here is a bit more complex uh, for a small studio to to tackle. So that's where like we come in as the uh, in, in in my lab and uh, we've been basically we partner with them for the last year and we are uh, we have the basically the capacity to you know rapidly develop prototype test them and then share the knowledge with them and then some of them some of the findings that we have are basically making it into the final game which is like super cool to see and also an amazing experience for students. And then, as, then the next level is like those bigger companies that you mentioned. They have like a really a strong research capacity. And then they, uh, but usually what I've seen, there are two areas that I, I, I could partner with them. One is through, through training and, and, and talent pipeline. Uh, so basically help them to find more, more researcher. And then the other one is through like a sponsorship and uh, kind of helping them build brand. Uh, or promote their brand among, uh, you know, among the population, a student's population, which is often, you know, kind of match very well with that branding. So, uh, you know, they are like in my university, uh, we are, we have a very close partnership with Ubisoft Toronto. They provide a scholarship for our gaming students. Uh, they are partnering with us in some uh, co-creation of training program. Uh, which is like super awesome. So we are not doing any R&D work with them. We are basically doing partnership in terms of, you know, building training and then they are generous enough to sponsor uh, our students and uh, provide a scholarship, which is super cool. Yeah, I think that yeah, that answered your question. I think that's really good. Like, I, I think really the, you know, at, at the heart of it is thinking like how, how do companies 
support student training as well right like not just the collaboration the research effort but like how do we actually build the things like swagger which we presented at, at the gur summit a, a long time ago when it was started and um is a big canadian training program for games user research and actually one of the first students from us uh geo he he just got hired and and is working games uh, user research um and so it's it's really kind of great to see once that happens but uh Peshman is obviously you know, working very closely with uh, Ubisoft there in Toronto and um, working at yeah, s setting up these connections um, quite well. So, so uh, what about situations where you are sort of where you are you you're building a new relationship? Like, uh, uh, what are more academics have 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 found one or more small companies and 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 there is. A, there's a mutual there's a mutual interest in in building something um what i've often found in in my experience is that often you, you start by by doing something small something like having like like uh, like a couple of master students or or something like that you build a small but highly valuable project something that showcases that yes this uh, that that this collaboration can actually work and can and can deliver re results that are valuable both both on the academic front and uh, and the and the uh, and uh, and industry front. And then you, you you sort of you build off that off that success story, and you build up a larger and a larger and larger and larger partnership, right? Some 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 of my relationships with uh, with the companies I've been building over the past fifteen years, right? So where we but but all started out with a small thing, right? Where we where where we did we did a, a small project and it turned out to be valuable, right? There's also been other situations where we did a small thing and it turned out not to be very valuable. Okay, fair enough, right? We try something else or whatever, right? But but what what do you guys think uh, think about that over that overall strategy when when sort of when you're sort of building up your your partnership? Do you have a different take on it or? <laughs> That's also a really good uh, question or consideration because. Uh, something that uh, we know is, you know, building those relationships and partnership uh, would take time. So it's not something that you, it happened immediately. Uh, in most of the projects that I have, I know the team member and the company uh, for maybe a few years, five, six years before we kind of, and, and it's like a gradual improvement. A uh, couple of tips I can give to the listener, listener uh, our listeners are that, you know, one thing I always look for is to to see if there is an existing partnership through like already established a program. So, for example, I look at our internship program. That's something that the faculty or the university is running. And I look at who are the companies that hire hire our students uh, as an intern. So that already shows me a couple of things. One is the need. And then second is some form of a validation if you like that you know our students are proving to be valuable um, to those companies and then i can then approach the company and say hey you guys have hired five of our students as an intern and that seems to be a need that you have and it seems that you are addressing that need how about we build a, some form of a program that uh, you know we can provide this in a on a regular basis and you can actually participate in training these students even earlier uh, you know, it, it, before they are even coming to your internship. So that's that, that's like a one way of, uh, you know, of, of establishing those. 
the other one, which I think Canada is doing quite great, like Canadian government or, or, or agencies here, funding agencies. So there are usually a smaller grants that you could apply uh, and then, uh, you know, start something before you go and apply for a bigger grant. So in our case with uh, Stitch Media, we started with, a, a, I think it's called My Tax Accelerator Grant. Uh, so like it, like we applied for one unit, so let's say around uh, $60,000, uh, and that allowed us to work with them for uh, for around a year. And uh, we both enjoy, like both parties enjoyed that collaboration. They found it useful. We found it useful. And then after that, uh, we went for a much bigger grant. Uh, it's uh, it's another agency called Answer, and they have a grant called Alliance Grant. And then that's, uh, we basically applied for something close to $250,000. Uh, for for a two years project, so now we basically expanded our our work and our partnership uh, based on you know the previous successes. Uh, so I think I'm, I'm not sure how other if I'm sure like probably other countries have similar uh, opportunities uh, in terms of uh, funding and, and and government grant, but I I, I think the, like the the one we have in Canada is actually quite quite good um, in uh, in kind of establishing those. Uh, initial relationship and seeing the value. Uh, yeah, so if I want to summarize it, there are two pieces I usually look at. One is traction and the other is validation. Uh, and that's usually how I kind of decide which company I want to approach. Yeah, I'll just add, add, uh, add, uh, add a quick one. So first of all, I absolutely agree with you, Petschman, that there is, there is a lot of public funding that specifically goes into into trying to help build relationships ag- across academia and industry and sometimes that funding is fairly is fairly accessible and the application process is fairly speedy also otherwise one of the big problems what we have in academia is that we have a very interesting very interesting industry partner but we need to go and apply for funding first two years later we may have that funding right but that's a really really long 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 time horizon so so the the initiatives that Canada excels at, I'll I'll have to admit, uh, the kinds of initiatives that rapidly gives you some funding to build a collaboration with the company, usually where the company then pays a part of the project. Fantastic! That's a good way to get stuff started with a very minimal upfront investment, right? But I think the most valuable piece of advice that I can give here is always be when you start up a new collaboration, be transparent about your needs. Um, academia and industry are foundationally very different in terms of how the um, how how the incentives work, right? And if in order to build a successful relationship across two different ways of thinking, really, you need to be very transparent about what about what your needs are, right? So that so, so that for example, the company partner can go and say, look. We have this thing. We're very interested in exploring it more, but we're launching in six months. So we kind of need an answer within a six month period, right? And on the academic side, we can say, well, look, if 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 we're not going in, into this with any funding, we would need to write a, a fairly high impact research paper, like which which would require these and these and these things, right? Starting out with a with transparency really helps when you are talking about communities that have slightly different languages, right? And we know this well from, from the games industry also, right? With like, we have there, we have so many different stakeholders, so many different languages and being able to communicate a, a, across those languages is just very, very important. And t- transparency and mutual uh, uh, respect uh, 
is absolutely vital here, right? Sorry, that was a longer monologue, but yeah. Nicely said. Yeah, and I, I think uh, the the important thing is always to to think about what are you training people for, like what what kind of collaboration. I think both of you have, have touched on that, and because it's, it's really not, uh, which is why I admire what Peshman's doing there. Like like Ubisoft is obviously a, a great uh, a big partner. O often the larger studios don't have money that they want to invest in academic research just because of how the, the the way that these collaborations go. So really showing that value is is key, and so he's obviously done a, a good job. In, in showing what value it can provide to that uh, to that company and um, yeah I find that that's like maybe as if some academics are listening in that's sort of you know the struggle if you're an academic interested in games you, you'd like to work with an industry partner it's usually not as easy as working with a bank or uh, a different type of company because of them it's sort of natural to invest a little bit of their funds into use uh, in, into into research period not just user research but any kind of research right and so um, we yeah, we, we don't see that as much yet. And so we'd, we'd hope to see it more. I guess that's sort of the inspirational bit here that comes from um, the, the work that uh, us and our colleagues have have done. Yeah, there, there are two quick things. I know we are almost out of time. I wanted to highlight uh, one is uh, a presentation that we did together uh, in the last year Games User Research Summit. And we talked about uh, how academic industry partnership can, uh, you know, help uh, towards kind of making uh, positive changes in our community and in the industry. Uh, the other one, since we mentioned uh, the partnership I have with Ubisoft Toronto at the moment, so we are actually doing a presentation on that at, the, at this year's Games User Research Summit, uh, where we basically provide a kind of really kind of in-depth detail of how we set up that collaboration, what it includes, what sort of training modules we decided to teach, and uh, basically things that we learned from doing that together. And we hope that that would be a valuable uh, knowledge or insight for uh, colleagues, both in industry and academic, academia that uh, may use that to uh, set up similar, uh, similar initiatives. Uh, uh, how how do people access that? Uh, like, if you're not if you're not at the summit, will the talks be made? So one available thing that or? the games user research community uh, and the IGDA Grox is doing very well is everything going to be online on YouTube. There is a and then I think once we have this uh, podcast uh, available, uh, we make we we share the link uh, as part of the comments or the podcast description for this session. Uh, the summit is happening uh, towards end of May, so the talks are not available yet. But uh, obviously, by by I think after the summit or during the summit, they will be available online, and we will share them. <laughs> share them. <laughs> yeah, and I think this is kind of the the point where we also uh, say thank you and, and mention that um, this games user research and or games research and, and user experience now is special. Um, interest group um, with more than 3,000 members worldwide has been really an incredible community um, that has helped us. Uh, we've seen people like Steve Bromley start a mentorship program, um, which was just amazing. And um, yeah, obviously you can always uh, search for that Graxic uh, or it's, uh, I think it's grux.org, uh, um, maybe the website. And yeah. is that correct? Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, I just wanted to say great that. Great community. Great people. Yeah. Just that has really awesome. helped. 
Okay, this has been incredibly interesting and there's lots more to talk about and to dive into from this early con conversation about collaboration games user research. And we'll explore this and other topics in the future. And for more on games user research, you should always go to gerbook.com and check out the book that we had the honor of editing on behalf of the community with more than 100 people participating in shaping this book. So big thanks again to everyone that was involved in making this book happen. To our listeners today, thank you for listening in. We hope it was enjoyable and informative. And all the best to everyone. It was really great talking to you and we look forward to our next episode. Thank you.